listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome into the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Glad to have you along. A different kind of show this week. It's an encore presentation. I'm away in the Dominican Republic on a missions trip. I would appreciate your prayers, by the way. So I'm going to introduce a couple of segments that are part of previous broadcasts. This first one is actually from our November 2nd show. Zach and I discuss a number of the NFL moves, including the Cleveland Browns firing head coach Hugh Jackson and offensive coordinator Todd Haley, who these two guys just couldn't seem to get along. So instead of firing one, the Browns got rid of them both. I give you a biblical perspective on getting along. So here it is from November 2nd of this year. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, this is the Beyond the Game program, talking sports from a faith-based point of view. Several NFL teams have made moves, which maybe at first seemed a little questionable, but then, you know, you kind of see what they're doing. Last week, we talked about the Raiders and trading Khalil Mack before the season, moving Amari Cooper a week or so ago. Fan favorites, been there for a few seasons now, and I can't imagine moving those guys was easy, but you see now kind of what they're trying to do. And we had said, I think the Raiders are being a little bit deceitful in the fact that they never told their fans there in Oakland. They're telling them keep buy tickets, even though they're obviously cleaning house and trying mm-hmm. to rebuild for Las Vegas. But here they sit pretty with, what is it, five first-round picks in the next two rounds? So they're doing yeah. pretty well there. For the Giants, moving Eli Apple was probably easier than moving Damon Harrison, who's mm-hmm. become a bit of a fan favorite. The Jacks moved Dante Fowler, and you'd think that makes a good defense of the Rams even better if he lives yeah. up to his potential. You'd think Demarius Thomas will be a big help to the Texans. And how ticked must the Packers have been about Ty Montgomery's fumble there against yeah. the Rams that left Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines as the Rams ran out the clock and won the game? They traded him for a seventh-round pick in 2020. Yeah, that's the literal equivalent of a bag of balls. Yeah, it's like they couldn't get the Ravens to agree to fill the vending machines, Mm -hmm. so they settled for a seventh-round pick in 2020. And I suspect it was less about the fumble, and I don't know if you saw his comments afterwards. He he took some heat over it, and and some people said things, and I think even Aaron Rodgers was a bit animated on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. But what he said afterwards was he can deal as a professional athlete with noise from the outside, but noise from the inside is different. And hearing it from the locker room, and he said this, that he can't trust the guys on the inside now. And I suspect that's part of why they moved him. The Lions moved Golden Tate, sent him to the Eagles, which has got to affect Matthew Stafford because Tate Mm -hmm. was a target, a priority target, 27% of the time, yeah, something like that. With the Eagles picking up Tate, the Cowboys picking up Cooper, and the Redskins getting ha-ha Clinton Dix from the Packers, Everybody in that division got better except the New York Giants. The Giants did have one headline this week, though, where their yeah, backup quarterback yeah, yeah, got yeah, almost that, arrested. That wasn't the best best of headlines. You know, their Kyle Laletta 
arrested for a traffic violation. Oh, my goodness. But it, just as rumors were gaining momentum that here he was probably going to get a start a little later in the season if the Giants don't improve, and there's no reason to think that they will. So what's he do? He goes out and practically runs over a police officer. Reports are that he just missed. He, he was charged with eluding police, obstructing law, resisting arrest, reckless driving, disregarding an officer's directions, and a couple of traffic infractions. <laughs> I mean, what are you thinking? That's not what you want. No, not at <laughs> all. But the biggest move of the week, probably the Browns firing head coach Hugh Jackson. What made it so great to me is that the Browns, well, they're just not having it. And they also fired Todd Haley, their offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. These two embroiled in a power struggle and each pointing the finger at the other, blaming them for the Browns' problems. Haley must have been thinking he won that power struggle as they mm -hmm. announced that Jackson got fired. And then a few minutes later, they announced he's gone too. Uh, I like the move. I do. Clearly, the Browns aren't messing around with a couple of kids who just want to fight over the new toy, that being mm -hmm. quarterback Baker Mayfield. And they figure it's better for Mayfield's development to not have that around, to uh, get rid of them both. And, and you texted me an interesting fact, so th this would be a good time to play that useful bit of information you have. You have a lot of useless information in your head. It's as useless as the Winter Olympics. You are useless, Ignacio. It's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. Yeah, the last six Browns head coaches now. The year that they've been fired, they were fired immediately following the second Steelers game of the season. The second time the Browns faced the Steelers, each of the last six Browns coaches has then been fired. That's a wild... Isn't it? Uh, Jimmy the, Haslam must really hate losing to the Steelers. Yeah, I would imagine. Afraid the strain was more than he could bear. What were the Browns thinking, though? What were they thinking in the first place? Haley's reputation for being difficult to work with mm -hmm. is not exactly a, a secret. He now has the distinction of being let go by two different AFC North teams in the last 10 months or so, which not really a distinction that you want to have. No. As far as Jackson going 1-15... In his first season, the Browns bring him back. Then he goes 0-16, and the Browns bring him back. And I, I read an article, a couple articles actually have been out there, that were critical of the Browns for firing Jackson because it now what? makes a, well, it makes a already small number of minority coaches even smaller. But come on, the guy is 3-36-1 and, and has done nothing to make you think that He's going to, to improve. Yeah. And, and and in his defense, they haven't given him a whole lot to work with. But come on, 336-1, and one, when you have that record and then you get into a peeing contest with one of your assistant coaches, mm -hmm. that's going to seal anybody's fate regardless of their skin color, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think you've got to try really, really hard to attach any sort of racial implication to this firing. He's just an awful head coach. I think anyone that watched any of Hard Knocks could have seen this coming. Uh, I saw a tweet from a Browns beat reporter who said at least one Browns player in the locker room compared Hugh Jackson to Michael Scott from The Office. And that's not a comparison <laughs> you want from the leader of your team. No, and it was Hard Knocks that showed him, him and Haley not getting along in the spring, and apparently that continued right up until last weekend, and the Browns had really just had enough. What was interesting is I was listening to Dan Patrick's show Monday morning, maybe, and he was talking about these two pointing fingers at each other and you know, who's going to win that power struggle? Well, apparently neither one of them did because a couple hours later, here it comes on my cell phone and notice that they're both gone. And, and some reports say that Jackson tried to 
sell management on the idea of maybe taking back some of the play calling, some of the control of the offense, or, or possibly getting rid of Haley entirely. Yeah, because it worked so well before Haley came. Yeah, well, how did that how did that work out? You obviously didn't get rid of him. Browns owner Jimmy Haslam said in a news conference, the message today is that we're not going to put up with the internal discord. I I love it. They're all in on Mayfield and making sure he has everything he needs to take control and to lead the Browns successfully, including a stress-free work environment, apparently. So defensive coordinator, former Buffalo Bills head coach, Greg Williams takes over for the interim. If he does a good job, they say he'll be a candidate to take the permanent job. But don't you think they'd rather go after an offensive mind? I don't see Greg Williams staying there for the long term. Do you? No, I don't think so. His defense has been all right. They have some pieces. Miles Garrett's been fantastic for them. But really, when you've got a number one overall pick that's your franchise quarterback, you have to, I think, concentrate on that side of the football. Whoever they bring in, the Browns are making it clear, as Haslam said, they will not tolerate staff disharmony. Uh, around the team, around Mayfield. And by the way, God doesn't want it on his team either. Romans 12, verse 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Admittedly, if possible indicates that it may not always be possible. But though you can't control someone else's response, someone else's reaction, you can handle your end of things. So as much as possible, do your part. David Guzik points out in regards to this verse that Christians are in contrast to the world. We do not seek out contention. If it is possible, we will live at peace with all men. In his writing, the Apostle Paul, he set the stage for this Romans 12, 18 verse with some instructions in the verses leading up to it. Starting in verse 10, he says this, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, preserving in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, be of the same mind towards one another, and do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly, do not be wise in your own estimation, never pay back evil for evil to anyone, Respect what is right in the sight of men. Think about your church for a moment. Think about specifically your part in it. Do you more closely what Paul has described in these verses or the news reports describing the relationship of Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley? It's so important for Christians to get along because deep down, everyone wants to feel included. Deep down, everyone wants to be part of something. But if that something is stressful, if that something has a lot of tension, a lot of bickering, it's attractive to no one. John thirteen thirty five says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Nothing identifies the fellowship of true believers the way love does. We want people to be led to Christ. We want to be those people that lead others to Christ. Jesus drew people unto himself with his love, with his compassion. Will we act with such towards one another? Well, people will still see him and be drawn. First John four eleven says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The Bible directs us to look inside ourselves, not outside. Let this be about you, not about somebody else. Worry about your end of things. Are you part of the bickering? Are you part of the tension? Or are you the person that 
loves one another in your church. First John chapter 4, verses 19 and 20 says, We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Maybe you're listening this morning, this afternoon, this evening. Maybe you're listening, but you're not yet a believer. The only hope for sinners is forgiveness. But if God were to be unwilling to forgive, we'd all be doomed. But he is willing. There's no sin too great. There's no person that's beyond hope. He asks just one thing, that you admit your sin and seek what can be found only in him, and that's forgiveness. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take a moment and pray to God. Maybe you are a believer and you just need to do a better job getting along with others. Ask him to work on your heart. But if you're not a believer, pray to God. Admit your sin and guilt. Tell him that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, was buried, rose again. Jesus took your sins and paid for them on the cross. He didn't need to die. He had a perfect life. But he chose to die. He chose to die as a sacrifice for you to pay the penalty of your sins. Tell God you believe that, that he was buried, that Jesus rose again and defeated death. Ask, ask God to forgive you and ask him to help you repent from your sins. Romans ten nine and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I do hope you trust Christ today. I hope that if there's anything we can do to help you, that you'd reach out to us through our website at BTG Program. That's social media or btgprogram.com is our website. Maybe you only just want us to pray for you. Love to do that. I want to thank you for being with us. With Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is Beyond the Game Program. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu.
Welcome back in. Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com, at btgprogram. As I said earlier in the program, I'm away on a missions trip in the Dominican Republic, so this is an encore presentation of the Beyond the Game program. I'm going to introduce to you another segment from a previous broadcast, this from the October 27th broadcast, where Zach and I discuss the Oakland Raiders. Is it just me? Or did they not promise to chase a title before leaving Oakland for Las Vegas? And isn't breaking that thing down the way they've been a little bit deceitful? Certainly they're not chasing a title with that roster, are they? We'll talk about that. So here's a clip from that October 27th broadcast of this year. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, this is the Beyond the Game program, talking sports from a faith-based point of view. You ever recall... Seeing as many trades as we're seeing this year in the NFL, I mean, you always got the NHL, the NBA, they make trades. It's interesting, but not like baseball. Baseball, man, that's just trade heaven. But this year in the NFL has been very exciting with trades. It has been, and I love it. Uh, We've even seen this year teams like the Raiders and Giants trading multiple players away. And I know the Bills did it last year, but it was before the season. But no, I can't remember a year like this, and it's great, and I hope there's more. It's fun. It's entertaining, but if you're a fan of the Giants, I mean, they're obviously open for business. Shipping Eli Apple to the Saints, sending Damon Snacks Harrison to the Lions. Now, my draft pick gauge must be off. Damon Harrison is a former pro bowler. He's a terrific player. Yeah, he's good. And all you got is a fifth-round draft pick? It seems like to me like you should have gotten a little bit more. Am I wrong? No, and it seems like it's been that way all year. Like Josh Gordon going for a fifth rounder. I know he wore out his welcome there, but he's a tremendous talent just like Damon Harrison is. And, you know, it's weird. It seems like they're just maybe moving the salary. I don't know. Regardless, they're obviously blowing it up and stockpiling some draft picks. I suspect there may be more. It seems seems like the same thing going on in Oakland. Actually, who knows what's going on in (laughs) Oakland. Shipping out Khalil Mack before the start of the season. Earlier this week, they sent wide receiver Amari Cooper to the Cowboys for a first-round draft pick. I don't understand why they're killing the Cowboys. Yeah, a first-round pick is a great pick, but this is not a rich draft by any means from the looks of things now. You know, you got Amari Cooper. You got a two-time Pro Bowler. What is he, 26 years old? He's relatively young. I think he's 24. Even younger. 24 year you know what you've got with a draft pick you don't know what you're getting so essentially they just gave up a draft pick to get a two-time pro bowler 24 year old now i know he hasn't had the year that he had a season or two ago but that's a terrific wide receiver i don't understand killing dallas and i just want to understand what oakland is doing and didn't mark davis say that when they announced the move to vegas that they were going to give a title run. They wanted to make a playoff run before leaving Vegas. Mm-hmm. It, and now it seems to me like that's not even a consideration. This is, this team is not going to make a playoff run. What are you telling those fans? Yeah, and I think that that was... Now, I don't know if this plan was already in place, but if it was, that is somewhat deceitful because you look at there's a clear plan here to blow it up. Your coach is in town for 10 years on his contract. They're setting things up for the long term for that entire contract. And in a couple of years, when they've used the five first round picks that they have over the next couple of years, there's a chance that they'll be a very, very good football team in Vegas. But right now, I mean, make it a playoff run this year, please. They might not win five games this year. Well, that's my point. I'm not a Gruden fan. 
I didn't understand the hiring. In my opinion, he won a Super Bowl, but he did it with somebody else's guys. He's mm-hmm. been out of the game for a long time. Now you're coming in, and I get it. Obviously, he wants his guys. He's shipping the other people out. He's going to bring in his own guys. And as you say, when they get to Vegas, they may have a very good team. But that's not what you said. One player said this to The Athletic. The Mac trade was a real stiff jab, but the Cooper one was a knockout punch, especially because we had just walked back in the door from the bye. We didn't want to believe it was coming. And Coach said we weren't going to trade him. Another player said this, you have to wonder if we haven't been playing for draft picks all along, the player said, despite everything the coaches told us at training camp. So it sounds like the coaches have said one thing, yeah, and their actions are something else. Look, if you're building a product for Las Vegas, I have no problem with that. Just admit it. Give those Raider fans in Oakland an opportunity to make a decision for themselves whether or not they want to go to the games. Mm-hmm. If you're telling them, look, we're going to make a title run, we're go- we're trying to get a title before we leave, come to the games, pay your money, and then you put this kind of product on the field. Yeah, Doug Martin. What was the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? He played uh, Frank Abnagale, where he's a counterfeiter. Oh, Catch Me If You Catch Can. Me. Terrific film, but yeah. that's what they're doing. Yeah. That's what John Gruden is. That's what Mark Davis is. Tight end Lee Smith said players are more concerned about winning now than in the future. He said, our job, though, is not to second-guess what Coach Gruden and Reggie McKenzie do. Our job is to play football. And players need to play hard. I get it. If not for this year, then because they're auditioning for other teams the rest of the year. But but the fans in Oakland, they don't have to believe all that stuff. And it, it's going to be interesting to me to see if they come out to the games. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't see me at one game. Not one. Me neither. Mostly because the crowd is a bunch of really scary people, but also because the quality of the football is just bad. Now, I'm sure you know as well as I that the human heart is adept at hiding truth from itself, if that truth be too uncomfortable or too unpleasant. And you probably even know people who are in a bad relationship, whether that be a romantic relationship, a friendship where that friend is a bad influence, or maybe it's even an employment situation. Everyone around them seems to know that that relationship is destructive, and yet they've convinced themselves to stay there and can even give you several reasons why they do that. Those reasons are just explanations of how they've deceived themselves. Self-deception is the reason why so many miss out on a relationship with God. They convince themselves of their self-righteousness, which when really none of us have any righteousness outside of Christ. Perhaps you're refusing to see the sinful condition of your own heart, or refuse to see that you need a Savior to redeem you from the penalty of those sins. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And John 3, 3 says that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Perhaps you even have some public form of Christianity that people see. You're fairly visible around your church, and people think you have it all together. But God knows who you really are. He knows your heart. He knows your motivations. Do you have a right relationship with God? Have you been forgiven of sins? Luke chapter 16, verse 15 says, And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. One of the most concerning passages in all of scriptures, Matthew chapter 7, Verse 21 through 23, here some people come before God who they're expecting entry into heaven, but God denies them saying, 
I never knew you. These people are people who preach the word. They never really knew it, though. They did it for a job. They did it to be respected, whatever the reason. But they had never in their heart asked for forgiveness of sins or trusted their lives to God. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Sin is deceitful enough on its own, but self-righteousness is the most deceitful because it gives you that false sense of security, that false illusion that you are doing what's right, that you're pleasing God, yet in actuality, you're stuck in sin, you're lost in your sins. In that Matthew chapter 7 passage, Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. Is there fruit in your life that you can point to as evidence of your Christianity, of evidence of your salvation, that you are a Christian and on your way to heaven? What can you point to as evidence of a changed heart? Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Paul says that those who are saved, that those who are God's children know they're saved because the Holy Spirit convinces them of that, testifies to that. If you don't have that assurance that you have forgiveness of sins or can identify the place or perhaps the time, can go back to where it was that you first placed your faith in Christ, then you need to ask God to extend to you his grace and his mercy. And it's available if only you just ask for it. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me ask you this. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again three days later? And are you ready to ask him to forgive you of your sins? Are you ready to turn away from an old lifestyle of doing things your way? And will you follow after God? Admit your sin and guilt to God. Tell him you believe he died on the cross for you, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And ask God to forgive you. Tell God that you want him to change you and to help you repent from sin. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I hope you'll trust Christ today. I hope you'll place your faith and trust in him as your assurance of salvation that you'd be on your way to an eternity in heaven. If we can help, please reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. Maybe it's even just to ask us to pray for you. Thanks for being with us with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Well, there you have it, an encore presentation of Beyond the Game. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Rick Benson. You can get involved. Help us out in employing Sports Talk Radio to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ and the biblical applications we share from the world of sports to listeners all around the world each and every week. Please consider a financial contribution to this radio ministry, and if you have a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program. For more information or to make a donation, visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, this is Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.